Hello and welcome to the SBP podcast, the voice of mobile film. I'm Susie Botello. Episode 7 of the SBP podcast goes to New York to talk with Brian McLean. Brian shot a full-length feature film with a smartphone and a Hollywood cast. This episode also brings an exciting announcement about the International Mobile Film Festival in April 2018. If you're all ready, let's talk to Brian. Hey, Brian, thanks for being on the SBP podcast. Hi, Susie. It is a pleasure. I'm so excited for this. So I know that you are in New York right? I am. And you've got an event happening that we're going to share with our listeners. Uh, that's coming. It's next week, right? Uh, Thursday, December 7th, we are uh, going to have the very first uh, theatrical screening of The Killer's Requiem. Wow. And that, by the way, is the name of your film, right? Correct. Uh, the Killer's Requiem. It's about a a man, a loving, uh, a, a loving father, a devoted son who spirals into madness when he becomes the subject of a bet between God and the devil. Wow. That, see, now that sounds pretty interesting already. Um, and I want you to tell a little more about that uh, in a minute here. But um, before I do that, I'm pretty excited about something um, I know you're excited about your film and everything, but I'm pretty excited on our end because I haven't made this announcement yet, but I think we'll just use this platform to make the announcement officially that, well, first of all, that you shot your film using an iPhone uh, and you're going to, although you're not competing in, in the International Mobile Film Festival in San Diego in April, you are going to screen it there, um, and you're going to do a talk uh, as a workshop presentation, and you're going to show and where well, you're going to inform attendees how to make a mobile film uh, with Hollywood actors. That's correct. I can't think of a better place. I mean, it's 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 home uh, for me. Um, because you're right, we shot this on a an iPhone 6s, uh, which has a uh, a 4K uh, camera setting. Which uh, there's a lot of uh, dynamics that need to be understood by filmmakers uh, with respect to it, the limitations as well as the advantages when there are many. Uh, but uh, it, it was shot entirely on an iPhone 6s, and you know uh, we're we're just ecstatic about the results and and how it came out tell us a little bit just before we get into that tell us a little bit about your background and the how you actually even came to shoot an entire feature film because that's a big deal uh an entire feature film with your phone well that's a that's a that's a a story uh, in itself is that I, i am first of all a guitar player i have no desire uh, to be uh, pounding scripts and knocking on doors uh, in Hollywood or New York or wherever. Um, and, and I think that that's first and foremost, you know, I did it because I love it. I, it was a, a way for me to express myself. You know, I'm a 
I had a video on MTV back in the late eighties and, uh, you know, you can't, you, you know, at a certain point, you know, uh, you, you move on. And, uh, so I started writing plays and here in, in New York, you know, we have the East village and we have, uh, other ways to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to be playwrights and, uh, you know, it's, there's certainly no shortage of ways to express yourself, but film was not really something that I was thinking about until I, I came up with a story quite by accident. And uh, uh, we just started, we just decided to do some test scenes uh, featuring some friends and some family. Uh, this had nothing to do with, you know, professional actors or trying to be famous. We literally were just trying out the 4K uh, camera and so we were staging these sort of like scenes just doing some scene work and the scene work you know was coming out terrific and and we had actors from the age of eight until 80 and uh we sort of filled in you know the 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 storyline about this guy who has his uh, daughter and his mother and you know we just we just started shooting and you know we just after we would see one scene and how it came out, we would say, well, what about this? And we would add another part and uh, we would figure out what we basically we didn't didn't even have a screenplay. We just sort of kind of let the story write itself. And, uh, you know, after two years, we we had so much to work with that uh, we were able to put together a feature uh, and it was coherent and, you know, then all the uh, other, you know, the, the, the post-production aspects come into play, but the long and short of it was, is, you know, we had an idea, we had a story. And in this case, it was also, uh, a, mu a, a music feature. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a true musical because there's not really ensemble singing like you might see on Broadway, right. but, um, you know, it's definitely a rock music film. How did, and, uh, how did that aspect of it come to be, by the way? You know, that's a great question. And uh, I'll tell you, the, 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 the truth is that when I started this uh, project, it um, was really to have all of my music. As I said, I was a guitar player. So all of my songwriting, all of the music that I had written by myself, not collaborated. Uh, you know, I played many bands for many years and toured and recorded on uh, different albums. But I wanted just the, the songs that I had written, some of the better ones, to be in one place. And I didn't want to make a CD. You know, those are antiquated. Uh, and I, you know, had my, uh, you know, uh, tried my hand at playwriting and stuff and, and had put on a couple of plays. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I just instinctively said, well, what about having all my music and coming up with this idea for a story and put it together? And the, the opportunity to start filming scenes, which the lyrics for the songs sort of meshed with the overall concept of a film. Uh, and I had been asked by a, a couple of uh, Broadway producers to go ahead and workshop this as a, uh, as, a, as a theatrical piece, but I had no interest in the day-to-day -day grind of trying to get a play off the ground. First of all, there's not a lot of money in it. Uh, I think playwrights, even of the most successful plays, make maybe 5%. Um, and not only that, but once the play is over, it's done. With film, it lives forever. Yeah. So I was focused on film from the beginning. 
And it was a home for my music and it was a home for, uh, you know, my story ideas. And it was really about that in the beginning was uh, just to have it all in one place so that, you know, whether or not it ever got distributed, the bottom line was that my daughter, my son, uh, my family and my friends that, you know, we'd always have this thing. And the fact is that it just started getting better and better and better. And, you know, I started taking it to people and showing it to them. They're like, you know, you, you may have something here. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. But it, the, the, the beginnings, had, had we started off saying, you know what, I've got a great idea for a script and then tried to go raise the money and then, you know, dealing with SAG to get real actors, which is a whole nother thing, uh, you know, it never would have gotten made because there's a million zillion people doing that. And we just sort of back, backed our way into it, even with SAG. Uh, and, and I think that that was it. You know, we just, we just did it unconventionally. There's a, there was a certain amount of serendipity involved. It, it, I think it was just supposed to happen. Well, you know, one of the things, I mean, these aren't just any actors. I mean, in mobile filmmaking, um, we we don't usually see many SAG actors. But these are, I mean, why don't you please name these actors? Because it's pretty impressive. And I think um, some of the people listening uh, are going to recognize some of these guys. Well, we were we were incredibly fortunate. <laughs> we got um, uh, to start. Uh, we got Jean Beauvoir, who is a rock legend. I mean, uh, when you have a guy that turns down Prince to be his bass player, you know you. I mean, you, wow. you have you have someone. I mean, uh, Jean played. Uh, well, he he cut his teeth with uh, as uh, one of the members of the very famous punk band, the Plasmatics. And uh, then he went on to to write uh, for Kiss and the Ramones and Bruce Springsteen's uh, E Street Band. I mean, he he's he's been on the basically about as high the le- as high a level as you can go in music. Um, and 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 I know Jean simply from through a mutual friend where we used to rehearse at the same rehearsal studio, and one simply. And this is something else that I would just say is, you know, my mother always said, you know, you have nothing to lose by asking because you have a 50% chance of a yes and a 50% chance of a no. <laughs> so I, you know, because of Facebook, I, somehow I, I got in touch with him and I said, hey, you know, I'm doing this film. You know, you may remember me from, you know, the old studio or whatever. Uh, are you interested? And he's doing stuff all the time, flying here and there. But, you know, it's one thing, you know, all, all rock stars and rock musicians, they want to be actors and all actors, they want to be rock stars. <laughs> and so we, we were very fortunate to get Jean very early uh, on I- interested in the uh, concept. Um, you know, and he, he did the, the soundtracks for Stallone's, you know, different movies for, uh, you know, all, all, 20, 30 years of this. So he knows the business and he was very helpful in terms of also guiding, uh, you know, how the, the production went. So he was a big get. Also, the second biggest get was Lloyd Kaufman, who everybody knows from Troma. You know, even the other day we were having the, the movie poster finalized and uh, 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 someone said, wait a second, is that Lloyd Kaufman like as in Troma? And, you know, I've, I've gotten that. Uh, maybe 50 times people have said to me, Lloyd Kaufman is in this film. And I said, yeah, you know, Lloyd did Toxic Avenger, you know, Class of Newcomb High. 
uh, a million. And you know, you know, the funny thing is, see, it is a small world, isn't it? Because I met him a few years ago here in San Diego around the, one of the Comic Cons here at an event that was not a part of Comic-Con, but at an event that was going on on the side, I met him and his wife. And I told him about my film festival. Yeah, and you know what? He knows about it now, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, But yeah, Pat, his wife Pat, was the uh, New York State Film Commissioner for like 20 years. Wow. So these people, they know film. I mean, you know, uh, Lloyd, you know, started off, I don't know, uh, you know, back of, you know, with, uh, uh, I think like Rocky and, uh, Saturday night fever and the karate kid. Yeah. And so that's how far back he goes and he knows filmmaking and he's got a huge reach, but you know, a lot of the stuff that he did, you know, he just did cameos and this, he has a serious dramatic role and he's got a big part. And, you know, Lloyd in the beginning was like, you know, no problem, Brian. I, I actually interviewed Lloyd. I had a cable show on Manhattan Neighborhood Network, a public access show back in the early 2000s. And he had just come out with a book called Make Your Own Damn Movie. And so I interviewed him just much like, you know, we're doing now uh, on my cable show. And, you know, we've been in touch ever since. And when I said, you know, I've got this part of this, you know, a retired detective, would you be interested? And he said, yeah. So getting Lloyd was huge. And then we got Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager and, uh, you know, a lot of other films and TV shows. And, uh, uh, you know, Tim is fantastic. I mean, the guy is a, I mean, he's not just, he, he's just like the most professional person. He's all business, but he's so approachable. And he has seen it, you know, going back from Star Trek and, and, and uh, all the films. He goes back to doing Mel Brooks films. Uh, he, uh, he was in, I think, Spaceballs. Um, he, you know, he's just a professional and, you know, you get the straight dope, like he'll tell you, you know, that's too low light. You can't use that. You know, you don't, his big thing was a Tim, you know, and that's the same thing with, by the way, all of these people, they would help me with the actual sort of, you know, this is what you need to do. And, and Tim's whole thing was, look, if they are not absolutely, you know, critical to the storyline, get rid of it. Because his whole thing is, you know, you want to you want to keep it as close as possible to moving the story along and not getting, you know, off on tangents. And in fact, you know, one of the earlier rough cuts, I mean, must have been over two hours. Now we have it down to like 89 minutes. And so, you know, Tim has been a friend from the beginning. And, uh, you know, he agreed to be in the film. I was very lucky to catch them at the Paradise City Comic Con, both Lloyd and Tim at the same time. So, uh, you know, some of the scenes that we got with them and we, and let me tell you, we did those scenes with Tim and Lloyd in between events that they had to be at. So we knocked that out in like an hour, wow. <laughs> an hour and a half. We got three different locations and sets all within, you know, walking distance of the hotel. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, and that's what you do. You know, you just, you just do it, you know, and, uh, who else we had George Hardy, from Troll 2 and Best Worst Movie. George is probably best known to people as the dentist who, um, uh, you know, wanted to be an actor. Now he's like this icon. Um, and, and, and a few others. We're just incredibly lucky with, to, to get real names. You know, you go to, you look at these films on Redbox or maybe on Netflix or some, some other outlets, and you're like, oh, I never heard of any of these people. And, and the distributors 
who were coming after me, they were like, you know, we've done this and we've done that. And look at our library. You know, we want to take you to the film market. And I'd say, yeah, you know, it looks like you've done a lot of stuff, but I haven't heard of any of these people. <laughs> and my cast is better than anything that you've got. And so, you know, all I can say is somehow we were able to just sort of snowball it from the beginning and just keep making it better and better. And in the beginning, people were just like, well, it's Brian, you know, uh, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt until it just got more and more real. And then people started saying, you know, I think I want to be a part of this because you never know what could happen. And, and we as uh, fans know what happened, not, not at all putting myself in this uh, category, but you never know when you have a, uh, you know, Blair Witch or El Mariachi or a bunch of other films that were made for like nothing. And the, the bottom line is you do it because you love it. You do it and you get it done any way you can. You don't quit. You just keep going. But, you know, you can't be an introvert. You can't just, you know, you, there's a part of the filmmaking business where you have to get out there. You have to, you know, uh, you know let your pride go and you've got to, you know, go ahead and ask. And somehow we were able to, to, to convince people that this is something unique. It's, it's, you know, the vanguard of what's coming. And, you know, they, they got in. Yeah, no, it's an amazing cast. And I know when I first saw the film, I was like, wait, I, I know this guy. I know this guy. I know that guy. You know, it's a, it's, and actually, you even looked familiar. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I had a couple of, uh, you know, uh, 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 brushes with fame. But uh, I, I, you know, I'm hoping that, um, you know, that people just, they, you know, that they look at the characters in this story and that they buy in. You know, the fact that, you know, it was shot on an iPhone, I think people will quickly forget because the story is so engaging and the acting so great. You know, the one thing that I wanted, but ultimately I couldn't afford because I just didn't know people well enough was more uh, some more uh, female uh, stars. And so I had to rely on people close to me uh, that, you know, came in and did these parts. And you know what? They knocked it out of the park. These are first time actors, uh, actresses, and, and they just they hit home runs. And so I'm not sure if they're going to pursue, you know, uh, you know, acting or whatever. But, uh, you know, they, they blew me away. But uh, the next one that we're doing, we do have uh, we have some actresses on board already and we're, we'll, we'll be announcing that, you know, we're doing this again. <laughs> you think I would have learned my lesson, but, um, you know, it's like an addiction. You just have to do it. Yeah. Well, and, and there's, well, two things I want, I, I do want you to talk about, uh, how you're doing this next project, of course, cause it's, it's pretty cool. But, um, there's one actor in the film that plays your mom. I hope she does pursue uh, this as a career. <laughs> she was excellent. Who was that? <laughs> That's actually my mother. And you know what? I've heard it over and over again that people are blown away. She's coming to New York for the screening and it's her big moment, you know, because, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, I have to, you know, I'm also a son and I love my mother, you know, dearly. And I got her to, to be involved in this, you know, from the beginning because, you know, I wanted a you know, be there for her in her time of grief. Uh, and then it just took off. And uh, she just was able to repeatedly, simply because I think she was she felt comfortable with me. So when I would give her directions, no, do it again, do it again, do it again, not like this, do it like that, whatever. 
you know, she just felt comfortable. She just wanted to get it over with. So <laughs> she would wind up whatever scene it was, she would wind up giving me what I needed. But at the end of the day, there's one scene in particular when she's been kicked out of the bridge club and uh, the main character, Sonny, uh, is is worried that she's, you know, uh, you know, retreating in, 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 and, and uh, you know, kind of hiding from the world. And yeah. she just gets he says, Mom, you know, he, uh, I forget what the exact line is like, Mother, you can't sleep your life away. And she explodes on him. That raw emotion, she could summon it up. You know, from from there or 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 tears. She, she, you're right. She just did an incredible job. I mean, I had some actresses that I had actually reached out to, and actually had gotten some responses from, but the money that would have been required, we didn't have. And we're talking about some some big names like uh, you know Meg Ryan, Susan uh, Sarandon, and so forth. We just wow. didn't have the money. Yeah. Uh, and, and there were some other actors who had taken notice, like Rutger Hauer, William Shatner, and that we were in touch with their agents for different parts. But again, we were shooting this on a, sh- a shoestring budget. Uh, but they're all aware of us now, and hopefully for the next one, uh, which is called Aliens vs. Rockers, I don't know that we're necessarily going to be shooting it on an iPhone, but um, you know, I think the company is certainly at this point off the ground, and people are, are, are taking us seriously. Oh gosh! I mean, yeah, no. This movie is is definitely entertaining, and it's it's for me. It's one of the first times that I've sat through a complete feature film like this. That's going to be a part of the my film festival, um, and just sat through it more than you know twenty minutes. You know, and it was incredible. And I, you know, it again. It's a it's a great story. Um, I wanted to, I know you, we were talking about the music, but, um, I think one of the questions, a lot of, uh, the people I meet that I talk to about this have is about sound and syncing. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, again, there's a lot of things that you find out. First of all, when you're making a feature, it's not like a 10 minute short and, uh, you know, the render times, you know, we're, we're doing this, it's a backpack production. In fact, our, you know, I like to say that our entire movie studio fits in, in a piece of luggage, you know, from tripods to uh, gear to the laptop, uh, you know, obviously the phone. I mean, you know, think about that for a second. The whole thing fits in a piece of luggage. Um now, I wish I had, in retrospect, a, an iMac, you know, with much more processing power, but the render times are, you know, can be quite, quite long. And one of the issues that we're having uh, is that the H.264 codec, um, it, it needs some, uh, a, a lot, not just some, a, a lot of extra attention and processing uh, in order to make it uh, display properly on a large screen. It looks great on your iPhone. Um, it looks great even on a laptop and maybe even your, uh, you know, your big screen TV. But by the, you know, you know, I don't know, after we had gotten into like the 20th or 30th rough cut, we were editing to the big screen TV because the H.264 codec can only approximate you know, where a frame might land within a given shot. 
And unlike the ProRes codec where, you know, wherever, you know, the, the frame is, that's where it's going to be. And whatever sound is associated with, it's going to be. There's a lot of sliding with H.264. And that is going to be uh, one of the biggest challenges that uh, filmmakers who see their mobile, who, who want to uh, make a film on a, on a mobile device or on a smartphone, who are, you know, capturing their, you know, even if it's 4K, it doesn't matter because of the fact that it's captured with H.264, it's going to be a problem. And so the way around that problem is you do all of your, your, your exports, you get your sound people on it to line everything up, but color uh, has to be done before sound. Sound has to be the last step in the process so your sound guy can slide things in and out of sync. And a lot of uh, and one of the uh, another one of the biggest issues is that because it's a mobile phone, you know, we winged it. You know, we didn't have permits. We didn't have insurance. You know, we didn't ask for permission. If we needed to shoot in a nature preserve or on a beach or in front of a police station or on train tracks, which, by the way, don't do because it's a felony, uh, you know, we just did it. And we learned all these things uh, as we went. But we you know, we just shot, that's it. You know, you whip it out. And, you know, sometimes we had to ask somebody who was walking down the street, excuse me, sir, man, can you do me a favor and just hold it up against, hold our camera up here against the light post while we shoot? And people would say yes. <laughs> you know, we would, we, people would be walking down the street and they would get involved, whether we needed, you know, some background actors to stand under a street lamp or whatever it was. People were like, oh, okay. And, that's so you know, awesome. Yeah, you know, because again, what does what does the mobile? You have it in your pocket. Yeah. And there are certain tripods. Again, you know, you can tuck inside. I don't care if you're going to an amusement park, you're shooting in a motel. It doesn't matter. Your tripod is inside your coat pocket, and your phone is in your back pocket. And you get everybody together, and you're like, "All right, guys, here's what's happening. He's walking down the hall. He's going to knock on the door, and he's going to enter the room. And then, you know, we move the camera inside the 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 you know the hotel room or whatever. But the point is, is that you're, and this dovetails, in fact, with the, the you know, uh, issues. If you're going to get real actors in SAG, SAG wants to know where the shoots are going to be, if their actors are being fed, you know, when they showed up on set, do they have workers comp and all that? And you know what? That's the, that's something that SAG is going to have to deal with. And, and in fact, that you know, I've, I've, you know, said to them in, in convincing them to clear the project, which is a whole nother thing. Uh, but the, po the, the bottom line is with mobile film, you know, you just shoot because you don't know where a location, you may drive by a location and say, Hey, you know what? There's the, the dumpster that we needed, you know, everybody stop and, uh, let's go shoot. You well, don't know that's, where the shoot is going to be. That's one of the benefits that you don't have to plan so much. Uh, and, and, and of course that happens in, in, in a lot of films too, where you're going, Oh, that would be a great location for this one scene that we've got planned. So, you know, we'll come back on Tuesday, we'll talk to them. And, and you go through that process where with a phone, right? You're just like exactly what you just said. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, if there was no coming back on Tuesday though, Right. it was like we were in the car and uh, I had the characters and we were like, let's look for a location. And you know what? Time after time, it was almost as if we were led to the place that we needed to be an observatory on some beach or, uh, you know, uh, wherever the location was that we needed, they somehow, 
uh, wound up, um, you know, uh, we'd wind up uh, getting the shots that we needed. And to be, you know, to, to be sure, there's a lot of stuff. You know, we have so much extra footage that we have enough to make uh, a pilot uh, uh, based on the same story, but uh, the same characters and everything, but a totally different story that we couldn't even incorporate into the film because there was this sort of like gangster and mob uh, element that we had incorporated in. And Tim Russ said, you know, listen, man, you know, you got the angel and demons thing going on. Forget about the gangster stuff. It's too much. So we've got all of this stuff that, you know, we wound up, you know, that we have on the side that may be something else. But the point is, is you shoot by the pound and you you wind up sifting through it and you take the best. And and something, uh, you know, one one uh, director that uh, uh, really I should give him a credit in the film guy named David Hoken, he uh, filmed, he shot Barbed Wire with Pam Anderson and uh, Most Wanted with uh, oh, was Jamie Foxx, I think. Um, he, did a, he did several films and he said, you know what, Brian, the main thing that you need to have is coverage. Make sure that you get at least three angles of every single, you know, in every single scene, you get at least three angles so that you can cut from one to the other if somebody flubs the line or if the light's not good. And so we learned that lesson, you know, I would say about halfway through the film. Uh, and I would, uh, you know, impart that to your listeners is, you know, there's all kinds of things, tips and tricks and, and that I would be speaking about in the, the, the workshop that, you know, they're going to learn. and They're going to save a lot of time just by, you know, basically uh, the, the, you know, sort of the trial and error that I had to, uh, you know, go through. But. You know, at the end of the day, you you get you you see a location. If you have the people, and you say, "Can you get here?" You get there. Here's the scene. You know, sometimes you had dialogue, sometimes you didn't, but you know, you just you just do it. And somehow we just somehow we we came up with enough stuff that in post we were able to put together the story we wanted to tell. So you basically had an iPhone and a MacBook. That's it, and Final Cut Pro. And a couple of plugins that are actually uh, absolutely indispensable. Neat video for noise reduction, uh, compressor, um, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, for sort of uploading our dailies and stuff. But, uh, you know, that, that's a whole nother thing uh, that I would talk about in the, uh, the workshop. I, I lost a lot of footage, you know, because the 4K footage is so heavy. Yeah. That you know, you start recording and, you know, you're in the moment and sometimes you forget to stop the recording or sometimes you think you shot a scene, but you never pressed record. I mean, it's, it's one, it's, it's endless, but at the end of the day, you have all this footage and it's heavy and, you know, a laptop like my MacBook retina, uh, I was under the impression, you know, uh, this is what you need to get if you're going to shoot in 4k. But what they didn't tell me was, I think the max the max uh, hard disk space that comes on the retina, maybe, maybe a terabyte. Uh, I had 250 gigs because I just didn't know. Well, let me tell you, I've gone through so many drives. <laughs> and by the way, you, you can only use Thunderbolt drives. A any kind of uh, USB drive won't do it. It'll take forever. You need that big fat pipeline of a Thunderbolt. Yeah. And, and I've gone through several, several of those, uh, is, is, is to make sure that you trim your clips before you put them into your folders. And that's another thing is you have to have your, 
you know, you really have to name your clips. You've got to have an organized structure as to, you know, what the different scenes are. Organization is going to save you a lot of time and backing up everything to the cloud, either Amazon Cloud Drive, which is what I use, but I also use Dropbox. But you've got to back that stuff up because it, there's no way it'll all fit on your on your on your laptop. And uh, if you're if you're fortunate enough to have some sort of a desktop rig, or if you're editing in Premiere, uh, you know, good for you. If you have some kind of Avid or whatever, you know, terrific, good for you. But for us, we had a laptop, we had an iPhone, and you know, we had uh, you know a tripod and you know some basic lighting, and uh, that was about it. I would also uh, definitely suggest getting a good stabilizer uh, because. If, if you're thinking that your film is going to get shown uh, theatrically or picked up, the oh, quality yeah. control is so strict. You, you're, there's no jumpy frames. If you see where the, fr where the frame, where, the, sh where, where the, the image warps, even for a frame or two, you can forget it. They, uh, I mean, I don't know whether it's Netflix or iTunes, what the standard is, because uh, I'm still learning, but the bottom line is, that they will come back on quality control and say at, you know, 24 minutes, uh, 36 seconds and 17 frames through 19 frames, you've got some shaky, you know, jumpy frames. You got to get rid of it. Or they'll say, you know, your ADRs are out of sync. You know, it's one thing to go ahead and say, I want to make a, a, a mobile, you know, a film on my mobile device. And certainly it's a lot easier to do that if you're doing it, you know, 10 minutes or uh, 20 minutes or something. But you know what? Uh, you're not going to be able to do a feature film and, and park it all on your, your laptop. It's just it's just not going to happen. So you've got to really uh, trim the footage and you've got to make sure that you have it organized and back it all up to the cloud. You've got to have a workflow. Yeah, no, and, and you're right about uh, stabilizers because what happens too is you don't see it when you're, even in your laptop, you may not see it, but once you blow it up on the big screen, everything shows, all the shaking is, is really obvious and uh, the pixels and everything is, is, it becomes more like naked. Well, Tim would say, you know, he was like, come on, man, like this stuff looks, you know, Tim is very... <laughs> He's, he's direct, let's just say it like that. Yeah. Uh, very helpful, but direct. And he would say, like, nah, man, you have to redo this. It's just too low light. It's all the noise. There's too much noise. And so we actually had several scenes in the film where we had to reshoot, but we couldn't get the actors back, so we'd have to write a different way to get, you know, whatever part of the plot needed to be, you know, uh, needed to be achieved uh, in the storyline and we have to reshoot it because it was too low light. And again, you remember like, you know, the, the iPhone, uh, you know, it's just not meant for low light. So you think, you know, you're going into this bar and you know, it's dim and you, you're at some booth and you're trying to, you know, film a conversation between characters A and B and C or whatever. And you're looking at it on your iPhone. You're like, yeah, it looks great. But guess what? When you blow it up, it's unusable. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I made that mistake. So uh, having some kind of a little portable light kit, you know, where, you know, uh, you can, you know, make sure that you've got lighting, uh, it's, it's very important. But at the same time, 
you know, a bar owner may come over and say, you know, excuse me, you know, we don't allow that here. And, you know, that's it. That's the end of the shoot. So a lot of times we actually would, you know, like we we'd do a scene in a cigar bar or something. And I'd actually go up and say, you know, hey, listen, you know, we're shooting this, you know, this, uh, I guess you could call it a film, you know, always be self-deprecating <laughs> so that they don't feel threatened. You know, hey, you know, we're shooting this thing. Do you mind? No, go ahead. Because, you know, it, it would just it would just make it better. So if they saw us setting up something on a, a tripod and people are having their cigars or whatever, they're like, why is this guy recording? But you know what? We did it anyway. And and there were times where I'm telling you, we had to hightail it, you know, because people don't like being recorded. And, you know, we, we, we might be in the Olive Garden or wherever else. And uh, we would have to crop it in such a way where you can't see you know, anybody's, you know, face or, you know, it, it turned out we didn't use that footage, but the bottom line is, is that there's, there's rights issues. You have to make sure you don't get any logos in there, you know, people's faces, whatever. And all of that, you know, is, is, you know, antithetical in a way to what the mobile film sort of, uh, you know, the, the promise of what mobile film is, which is, you know, you whip it out and you, you, you just, you get what you, you 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 can get, but there are certain things you know you don't want to get sued, so you have to make sure you don't get people in it. Or if you know somebody walks by or they're not just not getting out of the way, you got to wait till they leave. Uh, if um, you know you you have uh, you look at something and you see oh you know we got this logo in there, we got to crop that out. You know at the end of the day, you know rights matter, and you're going to have to deal with that down the road. Same thing with color, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at something like Gotham, which is one of my uh, favorite shows, uh, I love that look, that sort of, you know, steel blue kind of sci-fi look that they have. But if you look, the, the way they're able to achieve that is that the wardrobe person has them all wearing stuff that are either, you know, that is blue, charcoal, black, brown. There's no yellow, pink, green, you know. And so with mobile film, you don't have that. You just, you know, you, you stumble upon a location. You have the actors. You go ahead and shoot. But that's going to come back to bite you in post because when you would try and get a uniform color scheme, you're going to have a lot of problems because you can't comb out that color if people were wearing it. And so that's another thing. I, I think that, listen, if you, if you are organized in a way that I wasn't, uh, then, you know, you would take into consideration, like, you know, where are we shooting? You know, this dark alley in Chinatown, it's, it's blacks, it's brick, it's dark, you know, and, you know, there's some street lamps and there's a mist and whatever, you know, great. Uh, especially if the cops don't come by and say, let me see your permit, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, you know, you want to make sure that see in real films, You've got the film production manager who's overseeing some meeting between wardrobe and uh, the cinematographer and the director of photography. Mobile film, you don't have any of that. But by planning these things, and that's what I'll talk about in my workshop, hey, you know what? You can avoid the problems you're going to have in post if you just take into consideration X, Y, and Z. You know, as far as locations is, are concerned, I mean, I've worked on some independent films where some of the gripes – from let's say you know like a, a little restaurant that you want to shoot one scene on the gripes is is that 
well, you're going to set up all your stuff and I'm going to have to shut down the restaurant for hours until you can get this done. And so you have to light it for the time of day. So usually if it's night, then okay, you can do that because you can do it very early in the morning before they open, but you're, you're being disruptive. Um, but with a mobile film, even if you used a couple of lights, you know, you've got a smaller crew, it will take a lot less time and you're not being so disruptive. You could maybe even get away with using the back of the restaurant or something like that. So you might get a little bit of a, of a more lenient, uh, restaurant owner or location that way. Well, we dealt with it two different ways. Number one, don't tell them, uh, you know, we wouldn't bring any lights. We wouldn't bring anything. We just went to a table in the back, whatever. We stay out of the way and we set up the tripod and, you know, they think, oh, well, they're, you know, tourists or whatever. And we just, yeah, totally gorilla. We just went ahead and did it. And if they said, stop, or what are you doing? You know, which, by the way, happened very, you know, very rarely. We just, you know, we, we just shot. The, the biggest problem, again, is lighting. So you'd have to choose a booth that, you know, had some, some decent light. And then you just hope, you know, for the best. And sometimes it just, you know, when you look at it, it looks great on the phone. But when you, you know, look at it on the big screen, it's just too, it's just the resolution isn't there. And so we, you know, we, uh, we had a lot of wins, but we had some losses too in that regard. The other way is, like I said, which is, you know, we would go into a diner and say, Hey, listen, you know, we're making this film. It's an indie, you know, would you mind if we, you know, you have this great fifties looking diner and it's just so cool. You know, if we gave you credit, you know, could you mind if we just, you know, shot a scene here and they'd be like, yeah, sounds great. And, uh, you know, so, so there's two ways you can do it. You know, you can, uh, charm them. Or if you just think that, you know, um, it just may be more trouble than it's worth, like, you know, in a hotel lobby or something, I'm not going to worry about going to get the hotel manager and say, Hey, listen, I want to do X, Y, and Z. No, you sit there on that couch, you sit there on that lounge and let's shoot. And you know what? I'm going to make it so you have no idea because if they can identify the location, you're going to have to get a property release. But no one can identify, you know, uh, if, if, if it's a medium shot, you can't really tell where it's at. No, you're good. Yeah, no. And the big corporations and things like that, they, they don't, you can't just ask oh, the manager. Done. Don't even waste your time. <laughs> yep. it's, it's a waste of time. That's what, the, and again, that's the whole thing. You know, we had uh, one, one, <laughs> we had one scene that we shot where, um, where we had to drag a body that we were in a nature preserve. And, <laughs> okay. Now you're uh, getting fun. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the, the scene calls for uh, the main character. He's got to get rid of uh, some body parts. You know, he's chopped up the one of his victims and it's going to dump it, you know, uh, in this nature preserve in this uh, wetlands, you know, for the alligators to come get. And so we waited, you know, and there was, you know, a lot of people come to this place to walk and run and photograph birds or whatever, but we waited until we had a nice, no one around, and uh, so I said, all right, you know, we, we, we set up the tripod. I'm like, am I in frame? All right, ready? Three, two. And that's, that's the whole, you know, concept. Three, two, go. And so I'm dragging this, this you know, this, ba- this garbage bag, which is, you know, uh, supposedly full of body parts. And what happens? A jogger runs around the corner and he sees me, you know, dragging this bag. <laughs> and 
he takes off in the other direction. And, we're, I, you know, I just think that he's, they're going to go run and get the cops. So, <laughs> you know, we had to get out of there. But the bottom line is, is we got it done. We, we, the scene is in the film. And it just looks great. You see me running off, and that was real. <laughs> you see, you see the character after he dumps the the this thing over. And by the way, you're not supposed to. That's a huge fine. Yeah. But you know, we went ahead and did it. But then I went with an umbrella and I grabbed the 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 garbage okay. bag, took it back, and there could have been an alligator in there. And there were so many times like that where you know I I would climb like a a rail car that was parked in some rail yard. And, you know, and, and do a, like a, a, you know, a flip into the, I didn't even know it was in there on the other side. Thank God there was sand. But, um, you know, it, it's, it, you take a lot of chances. Do we need to tell our listeners, like in those, those shows, do not try this at home? <laughs> you know what? I think, you know what? You, you may have just saved me a lawsuit. Yes. Do not do this. <laughs> Everything we're telling you, do not do. <laughs> do not do it. Make sure you investigate it. Make sure you get all the proper permits and uh, make sure you get all the insurance. And, you know, uh, yeah, uh, then you'll be good to go and you'll never get the film made. <laughs> so uh, that's it you just you know what you got to do it you certainly you you, you don't want to make you you don't want anybody to get hurt you don't you don't want to inconvenience others and you know what when you're filming in public there was one scene we did one of the songs uh on this bridge it's you know um uh oh. in Delray beach it's uh you know a drawbridge because boats are going back and forth and i'm in the middle of this you know causeway singing this song for this mu music video and all these cars are stopping and they're like yeah man go do it you know <laughs> and the bridge is up and there's like this line of cars on either side but i had already started filming and i wanted to get out of there so i kept you know i kept singing the song in the middle of this you know in the middle of this uh, street and you know, you have to have an element of crazy about you. If you think that it's going to go according to plan, you know, don't do this. You know, there's there's just there's just this sort of you have to have a, a certain amount of I don't know what's going to happen, but I just it's going to happen. You got to like I mean, I keep I, I think this is probably the third uh, podcast interview that I've had where I have to point that out that filmmakers love challenges. Well, you know, I didn't know what I was getting into uh, really when I started this. I really had no idea. And it's been a huge learning curve. You know, there's so many things, uh, you know, from the equipment, you know, uh, and we've discussed, you know, stabilization and light, you know, to casting, you know, you just uh, having to deal with SAG, you know, locations, insurance, permits, uh, digital assets management, how you import your footage you know, organization of folders, backing everything up. And then you have to get into things like visual effects and sound and color. You know, it, it, it's, there's a lot. And what I would say is, you know, make sure that you're really ready. You know, uh, you know, uh, it's one thing if you're going to do, you know, I was funny, I was talking to a color guy and he was looking at our film and he was like, you know, I can't believe what you did here. You know, you did a, uh, you know, it took me two years just to do a two minute film. <laughs> You know, and here we are, you know, it, 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 let's be clear about that. You're if you're talking about a feature, it's a different animal. Mm -hmm. uh, but some of the technical um, considerations are, are going to be the same. Would you say the world is ready, though, to make more feature films? 100%. The We're there. Yeah. We're there. And, and if you look at, 
at what's going on with Hollywood with all the social stuff and, you know, or, 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 that's one thing. But, you know, I'll even go one further. You know, no one's fooled. You know, when someone says, oh, yeah, I got into Sundance or whatever, you know, they have, I don't know, 13, 14,000 films that are submitted. And, you know, uh, a, a lot of, the, you know, a lot of them are documentaries and shorts and social issues, you know, because that's sort of like their mission. You know, we had an original story. We're not making Transformers 10. We're not doing a reboot of, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Friends or something like that. You know, we, we came up, you know, that's another thing. If you have an original story that that's a that's a feature length story, don't bother with Sundance. You're not getting in. No one, no one's gonna, no one's gonna be interested at Sundance because the, you know, Oprah Winfrey's and the George Clooney's and, and, and you know, uh, the studios have those those festivals booked years in advance. So, you know, you want to look for, you know, uh, festivals like, you know, you know, maybe smaller smaller festivals to to start gauging, you know, to get your, you know, your work seen. It just happens to be that for me, that being that this was shot on a mobile film, I felt like that the uh, International Mobile Film Festival was the natural place to debut our film. Yeah, well, it's definitely, uh, you can't get in into this film festival unless you've, you've shot it with a phone. But it is, um, I don't know how to explain it, like endearing of people like you who are, who are giving it your best shot, literally, I pun intended. Um, but yeah, I'm, I just started accepting feature films last year because I do agree with you. I think, you know, filmmakers like a challenge and I think we're ready to see, uh, the films shot with phones go beyond shorts. Well, you know, for me, it was, uh, really, you know, overreaching because not only was it a, a full, full length, uh, feature film, you know, with the sort of supernatural, uh, aspect, but it was a rock music film. Uh, so there are like, there's a soundtrack of, I don't know, 13 songs in it. And so we really went above and beyond, you know, cause we always had in the, our mind sort of like Rocky horror as this kind of, you know, what we were aiming at. Mm. But, you know, for other filmmakers, it doesn't have to be so complex. Uh, you know, you could have, you know, three, four people or it doesn't matter. It has to be about the story that you want to tell. You know, it's people don't know this necessarily because we don't want to clobber them over the head with it. But our film is a faith based film. That's another challenge it has. No one wants to hear about Jesus Christ or, you know, uh, redemption and all of that, you know. We, we the 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 premise of the film is is based around Romans five twenty. I'm not sure if you if I'm surprising you with this, but uh, it's about it's called the sufficient grace clause in uh, the Bible, and it basically says that no matter how bad you are or bad you think you've been or you know how awful you feel about the things you've done, God's grace uh, beats beats whatever you've done. There's forgiveness, forgiveness, and love wins out over sin every time. So now, no matter how bad this guy has been, because he's been affected, you know, he's in the middle of this bet between God and the devil, and the devil's trying to make him do all these bad things, uh, you know, it doesn't matter ultimately in the end because God's grace is going to win out. That was another thing that, you know, we, there's, there's like, I don't know, maybe a dozen points during the film where we, 
were able to sort of reference scripture. And, you know, it's we, really subtle, though. That's that's you got it. Mm-hmm. We don't we wanted it to be like criminal minds. You know, first of all, there's cursing in the film. And so we 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 actually were in touch with some pretty big ministries. And they're like, oh, oh no, you, you know, you have cursing in there. And, uh, you know, you got to take that out. And we were like, you know, I'm not going to curse now, but F no. You know, because that's, you know, the whole point is, is we're not preaching to the people who have been saved. You know, the high diddly hoes who go to church every Sunday. No, we're pe- preaching to the, uh, not preaching at all, but we're, we're basically tailoring our message to people, you know, uh, saying, you know, consider this. And we're not clobbering you over the head with it, you know, but the bottom line is, is that at the end of the day, you know, we have a message and the message is that grace beats sin every time. And, you know, um, you, you can you can take the information and do what you want with it, but we're not going to clobber you over the head with it. And most people, you know, when they watch this, it's, you know, this this, you know, this this chaotic ride from the beginning to the end. And, you know, it's, you know, got this rock music in it. Oh, no, you know, and cursing and whatever, you know, but that's what it is today. And it's all hands on deck. Uh, when it comes to the message that we wanted to get out. And again, you know, we're, you know, a lot of faith-based films stink. Uh, they're, they're cheesy, they're corny, they're obvious and whatever. Uh, there have been several articles actually, you know, uh, you know, in, in, you know, USA Today or on Fox News or whatever. Uh, and one of them in particular, you could probably Google it. It says, uh, I think the headline was Praying for Better Faith-Based Films. Basically saying, you know, these guys are getting these budgets and the films stink, you know, um, because no one wants to hear you preach at me. You know, you can tell me what the message is, but you know what? Uh, we wanted to make a good film and, you know, we had uh, something to say and, you know, we'll let people judge in the end, you know, whether or not, you know, we were able to get that across. It doesn't have it doesn't have like this. It's a religious film type of a feeling to it at all. Um Really, but it is a good story, and the one thing about great stories is i i I can't remember a great story that I've ever read or seen or watched or or anything that doesn't have a message so exactly uh if you you know one of the things that I remember from the movie uh lost I think it was maybe it was lost in translation I forget which one it was uh but uh, the point is your character has to transform your characters. You know, the, the characters have to write the story. If you have good characters that are engaging and you're just like, you're hanging on what they say or do, you know, that's the most important thing. And, and what I would say to anybody is tell the story you want to say and that, that you want to tell and don't listen to anybody else. I mean, you can certainly, you know, Grab as much information as you can, but at the end of the day, if you've got an idea and you've got a phone, you, you're already there. You know, go ahead, you know, make the, make the movie that you want to make, tell the story you want to tell, and, and then I think that I'll be able to help, you know, when it comes to some of the technical considerations. Yeah, and the story in your film, along with your character, actually really evolves throughout the film. I mean, it really... It's it's almost like a song. I guess it you you know you being a musician and a singer, it, it, you probably understand that where it starts with one pace, you know, and familiarity, and then it gets wild, you know, it really does, and so it really keeps you captivated. Like, 
geez, where, where is this going to go? Oh my gosh. You know, we're, you know, I really liked it. And I think it's going to be a, a really, really interesting film in our film festival. So people are going to have to come to the film festival and watch this and, and meet you, um, at the film festival too. And they're going to learn so much from you. Um, I'm really excited. I can't wait, you know, because we need more people to uh, to 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 take up the the challenge, and I think they will, you know. And if if the fact that I've gotten this done, other people who are at least as creative as and resourceful as I am are going to do it as well. Well, go ahead and um, before we end this, and let's play. Unless you want to bring anything else up which we will at the end bring up your, your event coming up. Um, it, it's shout-out time. Well, uh, thank you very much. I would say that there's three people, uh, there, there's 60, 70 people that were involved in the film, but three in particular, Mark Franz Blau, who came into my office uh, and said, you know, I don't know what you're going to do, but I believe in you. He got the... Uh, the ball rolling. So I suppose if we can blame anyone, it's him. Uh, Jamie Sheeran, uh, who uh, picked me up when I was at my lowest and, and kept me going and, and constantly, uh, you know, uh, reminded me that, you know, I, I, I was on to something. And then finally, Robin Zwirling, who uh, she was like the cavalry, uh, the, cav- uh, the cavalry coming over the hill at the end. Without them, we're not here talking about the Killer's Requiem. Oh, that's that's awesome. Okay, uh, we're going to play a little game now, though. Um, I, have you heard about the 22nd shout-out game? Uh, I, uh, no, but uh, I love surprises. That's, that's what we do <laughs> in mobile film, so go ahead. <laughs> All right, so um, let, me, let me call it out because now we're really going to do this. It's a game. It's called Shout-Out Time. <laughs> So I'm going to give you 20 seconds to rattle off uh, as many shout outs. This could be people, uh, these, it, you know, whatever you want, but I'm going to give you 20 seconds to do it. So whatever you can accomplish in 20 seconds, great. If not, you know, too bad. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. Get set and go. Uh. I would just like to thank my mother and my daughter, uh, Sophia McLean, my daughter, and my mom, uh, Carol August, because uh, they made the film with me. Um, as I said, Mark Franz Blau, Jamie Sheeran, and Robin Zwirling, uh, this film doesn't get done uh, without them. My band, uh, End of the Universe, uh, oh. Jay Uth- uh, Jason Udoff, Charlie Roth, T Mott. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I hope um, I got it in under the wire there. <laughs> you uh, you know uh one of the things we we also do and by the way I, I i forgot you had your your daughter in the film too that that Sophia. was nice eight years old gosh eight years old really and she's got it you know she would take direction i'd say do it like this you know over and over again and she just has that natural thing gosh you know, she's, so she's your down. mom and your daughter both of them, yep. Yeah, and and I have to tell our listeners too. You have a great voice as a singer. Well, I mean, thank you. So a lot of times, you know, people are going, "Oh, it's a musical." 
You know what I'm saying? But you do have a great voice. Um, I think you were telling me a little bit about how you got your voice. Yeah, my dad's an opera singer, and, uh, you know, I just inherited it. Uh, and I just, you know, he was an opera. Both my grandfathers were uh, famous musicians. Ralph McLean was like the Babe Ruth of classical clarinet. Jan August on my mom's side, uh, you know, played for presidents. And so uh, I just, I come from that sort of pedigree, and I'm, I just inherited it. I just did it with rock. Wow. Yeah, no, it's a, it's amazing. Um, well, I think we're going to have to end this podcast show, but, you know, we we do have a special question for you at the end here um, for our um, for our Patreon page so that our patrons, our patrons who subscribe will have an, a, a bonus to um, uh, we're, we'll have you answer and give them some really cool tips on something that's going to be a surprise uh, for them, but, um, go ahead and spell out your, we'll add links and, and we'll, uh, add the trailer to, to the article link as well. Um, and, uh, if you want to mouth off your, your website or anything like that, you know, for those who can't stand reading, well, uh, you know, thekillersrequiem.com uh, has a lot of information about the project, uh, but where you're going to get the news is on our Facebook page because that's where people are sort of migrating to, so there's no reason to send them to the website back to Facebook, and that's just facebook.com slash Palm Isles Pictures. Isles is like an aisle seat, so it's P-A-L-M-A-I-S-L-E-S Pictures. Um, and, uh, you know, we've like, you know, we've just, we're getting the ball rolling here. We've got, a uh, another pilot that we're doing. That's a travel show, uh, which also was shot on the iPhone. Mm. And then, uh, we, uh, also have, like I said, aliens versus rockers, uh, which we're planning on shooting next year in the Mojave desert. Uh, and so, yeah, we've, we're getting a little, uh, film production company off the ground. Awesome. And you know, again, you, you don't, you don't, you, you don't drink the champagne unless you take the risks. And that's what I would say to everybody. Go ahead, take the risk. Just be prepared to suffer. I'm, but, I'm gonna, uh, I might just have to it. quote you on that one. <laughs> Please do. Uh, that's that's awesome. what everybody needs to know. Yeah. Every, every star has a great quote, right? Uh, oh, speaking of star, um, you're going to have this event, uh, Again, why don't you just give everyone a little more info on that? Oh, it's just a private screening. You know, we're going to debut the film at the International Mobile Film Festival in San Diego in April of 2018. Uh, This is an event, actually, that's really geared towards, uh, you know, investors uh, for the upcoming, what we hope will be the upcoming feature. See, I self-financed this for the most part, along with uh, some of the people that I just mentioned uh, Jamie, Mark, and Robin, but uh, you know I can't do that again. And so we're showing people basically, you know, yes, we shot it on a phone, but look what we did. And so with a with a uh, you know uh, you know basically everything that we learned from this experience, you know, including we didn't really talk about SAG. Uh, I will say this that they did something highly, highly, highly unusual. Actually, I don't know if they've ever done it, but they Ooh. cleared our film save, after save, it had save that. Save that. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Um, 
We're going to mention that on the Patreon page. Okay, sure. Well, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, you know, basically be, uh, you know, having this event on Thursday, December 7th, uh, 2017. And it's for insiders that were involved uh, or close to uh, the production, uh, you know, getting made and getting it off the ground, about 65, 70 people. And um, then there's going to be a big after party. And uh, then, you know, we uh, go back to doing what we do best, which is, you know, taking care of the nitty gritty. We have to deal with the errors and omissions insurance, as I said, about rights, you know, a lot of the publishing stuff. But, you know, as far as the film being finished, uh, that'll be done. Nice. All right. Well, I'm going to let's say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Remember, get your phone, get ready to shoot and just do it. You can do it. We want to thank Brian McLean for a great interview. The trailer for his feature film will be listed in the podcast notes along with other information and the film itself will be featured in the International Mobile Film Festival in San Diego on April 2018. Go to our website at www.internationalmobilefilmfestival.com to stay up to date And don't forget, our Patreon page is hosting a bonus podcast with our patrons, which you can only listen to as a subscriber. Brian shares great advice for mobile and traditional filmmakers there at www.patreon.com slash SBP podcast.